So guys, I'm excited about to talk about what I'm going to talk about tonight. Um, like I was saying a little bit earlier, a few of you heard, um, but I'm going to talk about something that I learned kind of near your guys' age. I heard um, some people talk about it and stuff, and it really helped me like begin to, I don't know, be more aware of like the relationships that I'm in and the way I interact with people because as you begin to make more choices in your life um you know those these things like what I'm going to talk about it affects you a lot um and like in this topic there's a little bit of weirdness and holding in balance, like what it looks like loving people like Jesus and still doing this thing that I'm about to talk about. I know. I'm trying to build a little bit of suspense. This thing that I'm going to talk about. So um, we, we talk a lot about surrender. And you know, um, like you guys have heard us, talk about like a life of surrender to Jesus and you've heard that you know even if you haven't been here a lot of people talk about that in churches and stuff and like the classic verse a lot of you probably know is like Matthew 16 24 which says Jesus says pick up your cross and follow me like deny yourself pick up your cross and follow me and so we know like about denying ourselves, um, but we haven't been taught that Jesus set boundaries. We haven't been taught what it looks like in Jesus's life to set boundaries. Like we've talked a lot about, like this this act of humility and this act of sacrificial love and this act. Like we talk about a lot of that in church, um, but we don't often talk about the side of boundaries that Jesus had relationally with people. And um, I found this quote from um, an author of a book that has, um, you know, on this topic. And she said, following Jesus is not about denying yourself so other people can take advantage of you. And I think so often we get confused on what it looks like to love people and we get to this place where we're like, okay, well, I'm just going to get to this place where I'm denying myself. And you can get to this place of a victim or maybe a martyr where you're letting people take advantage of you. And you're thinking that this is the way of Jesus. Um, and, I mean, it's easy to kind of slip into that. And, and it comes maybe from good, good intentions. And... Jesus, when you look at his life, he wasn't afraid to offend people or to disappoint people, um, to stay on mission, to stay healthy, and to love people well. And a lot of times we're afraid to do that. We're afraid to offend or disappoint people. And so often depending on your personality and who you are, but, you know, sometimes, like, we lack the boundaries when, like, a friend 
maybe is persistent and is in, in a place where they're needy and they're maybe they're asking too much out of us in the place that we're at. And we don't really know how to set boundaries on that and sometimes they can pull us down with them. Or maybe, um, you know, it can be peer pressure in your life where you don't have boundaries um, in that and people can kind of pull you in places you really didn't want to go. Um, or there's even like, you know, scenarios of adults and leaders and coaches in your life that want things out of you. And, you know, and you feel like the right thing to do is to say yes, but, you know, just because they're in a place, you know, of like they're an adult doesn't mean that that is the right choice for you. But a lot of times we just say yes and we go into things um, because we don't have good boundaries. Um, so there's a lot of examples I could go into and um, I'm sure as we go through this, um, you'll think of some of those. But some of us, you know, in these situations where people are asking things out of us, some of us are good at saying no. Some of us are, have a good no, and we're like, you know, no, like I'm not going to do that. And some of us don't have a good no, and we do like to please people. We don't like to disappoint people. So often we, we have a hard time like using that word, like no. And so we end up in situations that we didn't really want to be in. Um, and I love when you talk about this topic. And I think I've kind of alluded to this before in another message that I talked about. Um, it wasn't really on the same topic. But um, it's this idea that when you say yes to something, you're saying no to a bunch of other things. Like when you say yes to something, like yes, I'm going to do this, you're saying no to a bunch of other things. And when you say no to something, you give the opportunity to say yes to something else. And so often, um, you know, when we're, you guys are getting older, you're going into adulthood and you're making choices. And sometimes we don't realize that our yes is really an important thing and our no is really an important thing. And neither, like, is necessarily a right or wrong answer. Like, it depends on the situation you're in. And um, when we're talking about boundaries, when we're talking about, like, this idea of saying yes and saying no, when you set up boundaries, what you're doing is you're protecting what you value most. Other people will ask you to do things, and they don't know what you value most. And it's not really their job to know that. But if we don't have good boundaries, we end up being pulled from all these different directions, doing all these different things, and we're not actually protecting the thing that we value most. And before we know it, like, we can be um, really in a place that we didn't really intend to be um, because we were just not good at saying no. Um, because really, every time you say yes, again, you are saying no to many other things. And so it's, it's important to be conscious about each yes that you make. 
um, to each gate that you open, to people in your life, to the resources that you have, to the time that you have. Everything you say yes to is shaping your life. It's shaping what you say is important, whether you maybe realize that or not. We um, can be taken down a path by what we say yes to. Um, in a good and a bad way. So I like what um, Brene Brown says about this. She says, daring to set boundaries is having the courage to love ourselves even when we risk disappointing others. And I think that for some of us, that can be the hardest part is we don't want to disappoint people. Like maybe we're really busy and we just need some time, you know? We need some time alone or we, we need some time to spend, you know, like when you get older, it's like I need some time to spend with my family. Um, and someone like asks you to do something and we feel like guilty for saying no. And I think it's so often, like when you're a Christian, you're like, I'm supposed to deny myself to pick up my cross and following Jesus. But sometimes following Jesus is loving your family. Sometimes following Jesus, you know, like if I were to always be giving myself so freely that I was depriving Wendy of, the, of our time together, or as we have a baby, of our family together, do you think God's will for my life is to really be hurting her and our family because other people are pulling away, even though I might disappoint someone and saying, no, I can't do that, you know, because there are people who will, I'm sure as you find in your life, like they will ask things of you that maybe you can't do. And learning to love yourself enough and the things that, to protect the things that you value to say no, even though it might disappoint people. Um, and it's so tricky because when we talk about, you know, as Christians, this idea of boundaries, what it looks like to walk the way of Jesus, you know, and I'm going to get into some examples in Jesus's life. Um, but it's so easy to walk down a path of self-destruction um, in your own health, in your own life, and hurting those around you for the sake of you know, just because you can't say no to people. And that's not a healthy way to live. It's not a healthy way to live to, to be so unable to disappoint people um, that you end up hurting yourself and the people that you love and not really being able to protect the things that are most important to you. So, we, oh, so my title, I, I've said it, a bunch already, but it's protect your yes. So if you want to write that down, protect your yes is my title. So um, if you guys, well, I don't know how much of this I want to read. Let's go ahead and turn there. Let's turn there to Luke 8. And let's go down. I was reading the other day, but I didn't write down the verse. Luke 
Yeah, it's verse 40. Luke 8, verse 40. And, um, yep, pretty far down. And, Wendy, how do you pronounce this guy's name? Is it Jairus? That's what I want to always say. Is that is Jairus? Okay. So, you guys there? I'm going to read out probably the ESV, at least to start with. If it says something weird, because I always read in a bunch of versions, typically when I read. But um, So, now, when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And when there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue, and falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had only... For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. And Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When, when all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. When the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in his presence of all the people they why she had touched him, and how she had immediately been healed. And he said, Her daughter, your faith has healed you, has made you well. Go in peace. When he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear. Only believe she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter him with him except Peter, James, John and James, and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her, but he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. Her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that someone should be given her, that something should be given to her to eat, and her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. So it's a very cool story, and I'm not going to cover most of it, but I wanted to give you a context of the whole verse, the whole story, and what's interesting about this and what we're talking today is Jairus, you know, he happened to be like, you know, to get Jesus's attention, he fell down at his feet and he was like, my daughter is dying. She's my only daughter. She's dying and I need you to heal her. And so Jesus, in that moment, he said yes to Jairus. But as you can see in this story, he said no to a lot of other people. There were a crowd of people there that were pressing in against him. He's like pushing through this crowd to try to get to Jairus' daughter. And you got to think, these, all of these people need a healing. All of these people need a healing from Jesus. You know, and see, this one woman was so desperate. Like, she just reached out and had the faith to touch 
his garment was healed. And that's, and you see this beautiful moment. But what you see from this is that Jesus had to have boundaries to do what he did. There were so many people that were saying, I need you. I need you. And in this moment, he said yes to someone. And often we can get confused on what our mission is and what, but Jesus knew what his mission was on this earth. He knew who he needed to say yes to, and he was following the spirit and what the Lord had set out for him. And then he wasn't, a, you know, he wasn't being controlled by this giant crowd saying, like, stop, I need you. And like he was doing what he said yes to, what he knew was important to him in that moment and in, that, in his mission that he had in that moment. And we see that, that Jesus couldn't have done that without having boundaries. And I want to read, too, the story, uh, the parable of the ten bridesmaids, which is in Matthew 25. Um, and that is 1 through 13. So I'm going to read this one on the ESV too. Matthew 25, 1 through 13. It says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flax of oil with their lamps. And the bridegroom was delayed. They all became drowsy and sleepy. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, rather go to, to the dealers and buy for yourself. And while they were going out to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. And this story is really interesting as talking about you know, the kingdom of heaven and salvation and stuff. But what I find really interesting in this story is that um, the ones that said no here, when they were asking for the oil, they said no, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather and buy for yourself. Those were the ones that were seen as wise. The ones that had enough boundaries when someone is trying to take what is theirs. They only had enough for themselves. And they were trying to take what was theirs. You know, what they had saved up, what they had prepared. And Jesus is calling these ones wise for saying no. And I think that just speaks to... The principle that there will be people that will ask things of you that sometimes are not, they're not like okay for you to give away. There are some things that are not okay for you to give away. 
there are things that you're, there's a certain amount of time that is spent with the people that are closest with you, that are spent with your family, that are spent with the things that you love most. And when someone asks to take that away, you have to be strong enough to say, like, no. And you have these boundaries that, that you don't let people cross. And that takes, you know, a lot of times, a lot of us deal with wanting to please people and not wanting to disappoint people. And you have to have enough boundaries to not let people, what they're asking of you, take precedence over what you value and what you need to protect in your life. Because people can guilt trip you, man. In this world that we live in, they're like, well, you're a Christian, man. You're supposed to love people. And, you know, how could this isn't loving? And, you know, there's so many things people can do to try to shame you and guilt you in these places. And people are good at manipulating other people to get what they want when they're afraid. When they really want something, people are good at manipulating other people. And as you grow up, and probably already have experienced that, but even more when you grow up, that people will, there are going to be people in your life that want what they want from you and will try really hard to get it. And you have to be able to set up boundaries or else you end up hurting yourself. Um, so my last one where I want to talk about kind of boundaries and um, what something that Jesus did often. This one's super short, um, but it's in Luke 5, and it's 15 through 16. This one's super short. And this one says, But now even more the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed from their infirmities, which means illnesses and stuff. Excuse me. And the 16 says, But he would withdraw to, to desolate places and pray. And then the NLT says lonely places. Um, well, that's not the NLT. There was another version that says lonely. The NLT said that Jesus often would go to the wilderness for prayer. They're basically meaning that Jesus, that all these people are asking so much out of him. Like, you got to imagine that. I think that that's very easy for us to imagine. Like, someone like Jesus walking the earth, people expected so much out of him. But it says often Jesus withdrew to be alone. Often Jesus withdrew to be alone and to pray. And I think that some of us have a hard time. We feel guilty when we, <laughs> when we take time or we spend time just to be alone and to be by ourselves when maybe someone else needs something. Someone needed something from Jesus in that moment. You know, when he's deciding to step back and to be alone, there was someone in that moment, there were crowds of people that were saying, I need you, I need you, I need you. But he had boundaries, and he knew that he needed to take this time. He often took that time. Jesus couldn't have done his ministry with having, without having boundaries with people. And they're, they're so important for your own health, 
for your own family's health. And it's, it's so easy to let people in your life just shame you and guilt you into getting what they need. Because when people are afraid, they really have a way of saying the right words to make you feel bad enough about disappointing them, that you don't want to disappoint them, that you will, you know, not stand firm on what you know you need and what your boundaries are. So, and my last couple things on boundaries here before I jump over and kind of my second half of my message, which is um, about the same thing, but just kind of a diff- taking a different perspective. But... Um, So boundaries are often communicated better with actions than with words. So like when someone says like, you know, they're asking you to do something. Often the best response isn't to say like, no, you're not important enough for that. This is more important, so I'm saying no to you. The best thing to do is to say, well, I can't do that right now. But let's schedule a time later, you know. And so you don't have to, like, go into detail and, like, you know, make all of these statements. You tell your whole life story. You don't have to give an excuse for why you can't do it. All you have to do is say, like, no, I can't do that tonight. Or, you know, I can't talk right now. But, you know, tomorrow or in a week from now or in a month from now or whatever it is, you know, you're, you make space for them. You make space to, to be with them, to love them or whatever. Um, and in your life, it might look really different. You know, someone, it might be a sport. Someone asks, a coach asking too much out of you. And some of that's just your own choices. Like, that's what's expected in that. And some of it is not, and they're just asking a lot out of you because their goal is maybe different than your goal. Their goal is maybe different than what you actually value. And so you need to be aware of what you say yes to in those moments. Um, And sometimes you don't have to, you can just communicate that with your actions. You don't have to give a bunch of words. You just know what you value and you make your choices um, that you need to make. And so the next thing I want to say is, is with boundaries before I move on, is that boundaries are not meant to change other people. So sometimes we can use boundaries to try to like punish people or to teach them a lesson. You know, like you're not being a good person, so I'm making a boundary from you. And, you know, like until you fix this thing, you know, and that's not what boundaries are. Boundaries aren't a form of punishment for people that are, you know, asking too much. Boundaries are a way to connect with people. And so people will try to use boundaries as a way to try to punish people or to control people. And it's never, that's never why you use boundaries. Boundaries are for to protect what you value. Um, so just wanted to say that before I moved on. So this next part, I wanted to talk a little bit about safe people um, and unsafe people. And this is a book um, that a guy wrote. His name is Henry Townsend. Um, 
And my dad read this book a long time ago, and we used to talk about it all the time when I was a teenager. Um, and it's just some good stuff, man. We all have unhealthy people in our life. We all, a lot of times, have unhealthy habits that we have that make us unsafe people, and maybe we just don't know that. Um, we don't know these things. So uh, as I go, I'm gonna. This it's a good book if you guys want to read it, but. It's called Safe People, by the way. and But I'm going to give you just kind of like seven highlights, seven behaviors of like um, of unsafe people. Um, and just remembering like as we're going through them, these, these aren't to label you. These are like a range of, you know, of health to unhealth. You know, they're not a label. Like, are you an unsafe person or you're a safe person? Or it's not so that you go around and you label these people. They're just, um, they're for two reasons in my mind. They're one, to protect yourself from unsafe people, to make sure you have good boundaries from these people in your life. Um, it's not to shame them, but you do want to protect yourself. And two, um, these things are for your own heart. Are you an unsafe person? Um, are you someone that does some of these things that are treating people maybe in a way that they that you're taking advantage of people or you aren't respecting other people's boundaries or you know a whole lot of other things? So um, yeah, I want to talk about um, that. And before I do, like there there are some people that are, have a natural bent towards being an unsafe person. There are some people that don't. There's some people that have a natural bent towards having terrible boundaries, and some people that have natural boundaries. They, they have naturally good boundaries, and some people that have terrible boundaries. Um, and there are some people that are naturally unsafe people that, you know, when I say that, they have unsafe behaviors that they do. And there, there are some people that don't have these at all. So, and neither one of those people, they each have their own struggles and what they have to work on. Um, so, anyways, you have those slides, right? So, let's throw up the first one. So, seven behaviors of unsafe people. Number one, they don't like to admit their weaknesses. So I'm going to read this little quote. Unsafe people do not like to admit their weaknesses. These people see themselves as above everyone else and refuse to see their own negative qualities. They avoid facing their own issues. It is far easier for an unsafe person to blame others for their issues than admit that they have a problem and to take steps to deal with um it themselves. Therefore, they treat others with a lack of empathy when they are upset and find fault in others and often fail to forgive others for their mistakes. And when you see this in people, and this one's, you know, fairly common. You have people that, that just don't see their own like negative things, their negative problems, and like like people have pointed it out to them, and they still sit 
up on this place of where they don't have really good humility and they're really prideful and um you know they look down on other people and this one is really dangerous because you could be that person and not know because that's the exact definition of this is you don't know and you won't admit that this is yourself um but this one these these people you know again we have to these things are to help us have some red flags that go off when we're around people like this so we can set boundaries and protect ourselves um so yeah that's number one the behavior of an unsafe person is that they don't like to admit their weaknesses and they don't see their weaknesses um so number two is not willing to take responsibility of their actions. And so this one is kind of similar. Um but it's a little different because a lot of sometimes they might know they did something wrong. Um but they just are defensive. Like they make excuses and like they you can tell like they know they did something wrong but they give all of these excuses and they won't take responsibility of what they did wrong and when um you see these people in your life they they're likely just to be blaming other people um and to coming up with excuses and um again when you see these signs one in yourself it's to grow um and if it's other people around you it's to just make sure you have healthy space between this that you don't let these people um you know shame you take advantage of you um and all of that so number 3 apologize without changing their behavior this one is really common actually um and it's people that just say oh i'm so sorry you know and you, s- you then you see them like the next week or you know whatever they do the same thing to you and then they come back and say oh i'm so sorry i didn't mean that and then they come back and they do the same thing and that can do a lot of damage to you and you you feel like you're in this place where you want to keep forgiving them because they said they're sorry um but really the best thing to do in this scenario is to set boundaries like you can't just let this person keep hurting you just because they said sorry um so yes they apologize without changing their behavior and number 4 unsafe people flatter you instead of talking to you. And then this quote says someone who truly cares about you will share their concerns about you and will be honest with you. Someone who only tells you your good points is trying to make sure to keep you liking them. And this this person again is, you know, unsafe because a lot of times someone who is like that, they just start being honest with you and they a lot of times gossip behind your back and they they just don't tell you the truth most of the time. Um so that's another red flag for an unsafe person. Number 5. Demand trust instead of owning it. 
And this one, I feel like, is common for people in authority over your life. They feel like like you should trust them, and <laughs> because they are in authority. Um, but that's just unless they're your, you know, your your parents. You know, sometimes people try to take a step too far into your life, um, and really, people own your trust. They can't demand it from you. You aren't. Um, you don't have to trust people just because they're in your life, you know. Um, trust is owned. So then, uh, number six. They use deception to deal with their problems. And this one can, you know, like I'll read the quote here. It says, everyone tells untruths sometimes, but safe, unsafe people use deception as a way of dealing with their problems. Safe people admit their deceitful side and work at being more honest. So sometimes people, you know, that are unsafe, they, instead of telling the truth, sometimes it's easier just to bend the truth to tell a lie to get out of something. Um, and that's another behavior that should be a red flag for you. Um, you know, in your own life, if that's you, um, or if that's someone else in your life, that you have found them say things just to get out of something or just to make you happy or just to, to skirt the problem that they're in. And they use deception as a way of managing their problems. And number seven is no signs of growth. Unsafe people don't grow. We all have aspects of ourselves that need improvement and behaviors that inhibit our personal well-being. And safe people try to learn and grow over time, blaming others, responding defensively, and failing to change um, and inhibits personal growth and keeps a person at the same emotional level throughout life without changing themselves either for their own benefit or someone else's. And again, when people have bad habits or they these behaviors and they're blaming other people, they're being defensive, and they're just staying at this level throughout their life. You know, you don't see any growth in them. You don't see any improvement in your life. These are people that you want to make sure you have boundaries with. It doesn't mean like they can't be in your life. Sometimes they have to be in your life. Sometimes they're family members. But you want to make sure that you set up boundaries so that these people don't completely destroy what you value. Because it's your job to protect what you value. And it's, it's not their job. And so easy, we can just let people have a heyday in our lives. But if we can recognize when someone has behaviors that are unhealthy, um, we just don't let them have as much 
of a hold and a footing in our life and what they say and the giving them space to give us advice or to, you know, giving them opportunities to shame us or to do all these things. And sometimes you just have to to draw a line in the sand and make choices that protect yourself from these types of people. So, and not only that, but also looking at yourself to see um, if any of these behaviors are in you. And the reason this topic is so interesting to me as I wrap up is because as I was growing up, you know, these, I did run into these people. And it's just such a valuable thing to be able to, to notice it and to avoid some damage that maybe you didn't need to walk through. And that doesn't mean that these people can't grow because I have seen these people grow. I have seen these people, you know, you give some space, you set up some boundaries, and a lot of times before you know it, these people do grow, and they become healthier beings. They become healthier in their behaviors. Um, and in that, they own your trust again, and you begin to let down some of these boundaries that you put up. Um, but going back to, like, the whole reason I'm talking about all of this is to protect what you value most. The reason we set up boundaries is to protect your yes, not what other people value, not what they try to put on you. You have to be okay with disappointing other people to protect what you value. And I'll say again what I said at the beginning, that your yes says no to many other things. And your no gives opportunity to say yes to things. So that is all I have for tonight. So I'm just going to pray and close us out. Jesus, I thank you that you are an example of what it means to live a life that loves people and still protects our own, um, our, what we value to stay healthy, and to love people. Lord, I pray that you, would, um, that you would teach us what it looks like to set boundaries in our life, um, to, may, to maybe say no to some things um, that are not in alignment with what we value that as these students grow up and as they become adults, that they would um, be able to protect what they value, that the things in their life that are important to them, that they would um, not let other people just come in and take what they have um, no right to take just because they don't have um, the ability to say no. And they end up hurting themselves and, and the people around them. So I just pray that you would give us um, the strength to do that because the hardest part when we talk about setting boundaries is for people that just have a hard time disappointing people, people that are close to them. They just 
have a hard time saying no. They don't want to disappoint people. So I just pray that you would give them strength um, to love themselves enough. Because like Jesus said, you have to um, love your neighbor as yourself. We have to first um, value our own selves before we can love people well. We have to first value our own family and our own lives to stay healthy and not walk down a path of self-destruction of ourselves and the ones that are closest to us. Jesus, we love you. Would you be with us this week? Would we be your hands and your feet? Would we love people that are around us? We love you, Jesus. Amen.